welcome to the Front Porch Political Talk Show with your host, Hatton Humphrey, bringing you thoughtful comments on the news of the day, as well as lessons from the past and insights into things to come. We offer our comments and invite you to add your own. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, January 22nd, 2017. This is the Front Porch Political Talk Show. My name is Hatton Humphrey, and I thank everybody for listening in. Our show is produced through TalkShoe, which provides two ways to be a part of the call. You can dial in, area code 724-444-7444. TalkCast ID is 75570. You can also join us in the web-based text chat at TalkShoe.com slash TC slash 75570. We also streamed the recording session into Shores Cave at uh, uh, at uh, Cheerport in Second Life. Uh, if you are listening to the recording now, uh, you can add your comments by using the text chat uh, in the in the area where we are. Um, don't use voice because obviously we can't hear you there. Um, if you're listening on Red State Talk Radio, Ran- uh, Lanterns Radio Network. Uh, Stitcher.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast player and want to submit comments, please do so via email to conservativepodcast at gmail.com or on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash frontporchpoliticaltalk. If you're looking for links to the articles that we're talking about, uh, you can find them on the website at frontporchtalk.net. Just click on show notes. If you're listening to the live recording session, uh, they're available Earlier in the day on Sundays when we record, in Second Life, there's an easel that you can click on for uh, for that list of articles. <clears throat> now, um, we for those that haven't listened in a while or haven't been with us in a, in a while for a recording session, we try to keep things, well, we try to start off with things lighthearted or funny or interesting and tonight is no exception. You know, tonight we're we've got a subject. We've got nine articles that we may or may not get to all of them. But the theme tonight is same story, next chapter. America has entered the next chapter of its administrative story from a presidential perspective with the inauguration of Donald John Trump. And since we've been talking about the inauguration for about the last two weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about it, about it more tonight, and I know we'll go off on tangent. But I have to bring in the scientific discovery that um, that, that that is our opening fun story, and that is, along with being inaugurated the 45th president of the United States, uh, Donald J. Trump now has a moth named after him. Uh, it is a minuscule moth with a wingspan of just 0.4 inches, and it is the first species to be named for the soon-to-be president of, of the United States. This article was written on the 17th. Yellow and white scales topping the moth's head resemble Trump's signature hairstyle, inspiring the name Neopala Donald Trumpii, uh, wrote evolutionary biologist Varnik Nazari, a researcher from Ottawa, Canada. The moth's habitat extends from Southern California in the U.S. through Baja, California, and Mexico. Um, the wall that the president-elect has promised building along the border between the two countries could divide that stretch. <laughs> um, moth, why? <laughs> the, hopefully the moth can fly higher than 10 feet. I'm sorry. There you go. 
Oh. You saw, if you saw the picture of the thing, it, it's actually pretty funny. It is. It, it, this is one where you have to see it to understand it better. And and as I said, the um, the 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 opening story is meant to to at least cheer us up for the rest of the conversation. Um, you know, it's it it, it is an, uh, it is sometimes an honor to have you know an entire uh, species of something named after you. Um, yeah, well, I mean, there are worse things to be named after. <laughs> this is true. And um, one of the folks in Second Life said there's also a slug that looks like Trump's hair. Um, everybody's having a lot of fun saying WTF. And and I'm going to use yeah, that. I I'm going to use that kind of to describe my response to the post-inaugural activities that have happened um, and some of the pre-inaugural things that happened as well. Um, in his final moments of, um, in his final day or yeah, final couple of days as president, Obama did what most presidents do and he granted clemency to a lot of people. He is on record as, as having granted the most pardons or clemencies of any modern American president. And some of the names that he that he forgave or that he said, oh, sorry, you don't have to serve anymore, um, are, are rather jaw-dropping. The first being Bradley, nay, Chelsea Manning. Um who was the former Army intelligence analyst known for dumping all of the information to WikiLeaks. Uh, she, I'll be nice and use the, the gender that she reflects now, she has decided that, um, or she, she will have to serve until May of 2017 um, of the sentence that she was originally had handed down. Um Others pardoned are James Haas Cartwright, who is facing a long prison sentence for take, talking to the New York Times reporter David Sanger about the top-secret Suxnet program that infected Iran's nuclear program. Um, Sanger and other journalists pleaded for leniency for Cartwright, a retired four-star Marine general who was vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff uh, when, he was, when he was sentenced. Uh, in all, Obama well, granted. That, that's the one that I think probably, in my personal opinion, I don't care so much about Chelsea Manning. Uh, because although I'd like to see her run through a shredder, uh, it doesn't do the country any additional good to keep her locked up. Um, no. But the, the, general, the general got royally screwed. So I'm glad to see that he yeah. at least he, he pardoned him. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of stories like that. And in my particular case, I found it interesting how many right-wing talking heads kept mispronouncing the word hero. They kept pronouncing it as a, a traitor when describing Manning. Um, but well, no, no, I would say no, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. And, and I'm going to stop you on that only because 
we've discussed Manning's. What yeah, we have. I'm not. Did. I'm not get, trying to get into that. I'm trying to get into a different thing. Okay, go ahead. I was going to say, don't, don't for a second think that this is in any way Obama realizing what a mistake he made. This is. This was entirely political. He's. He's. He's throwing a last bone to the LGBT community. No, he's poking. Yeah. He, okay, I, I'll admit that, that they probably caught a bone, but I think the point is to poke the eye of basically the right-wing talking heads that I was talking about, and also Donald Trump, because that means that Donald Trump won't get the opportunity to do the same. Now, I'm not saying that he would have, but I'm also not saying that he wouldn't have, because... There is a certain of his constituency that would have that would have liked to see that outcome also. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a possibility that he would have done it. I agree with you. That is possible. Um, the of the 64 pardons that were given on Tuesday uh, included Baseball Hall of Famer Willie McCovey, who was in, who in 1996 was fined and given two years probation for failing to pay taxes. Um, on income he earned from 88 to 90 and from selling sports memorabilia and signing autographs. Ian Schrager, the nightclub owner, impresario who owned, whose Studio 54 was the place to be in 1970s Manhattan. And if you're talking about a nod to the LGBT community, that would be more of a, more of one than Manning. Because think about what Studio 54 was. If I'm remembering my history remember. right. If I remember my history right, Studio 54 was one of the main gay hangouts in New York City in the 70s. But maybe I'm thinking of maybe maybe I'm thinking of a different nightclub. Um, David Long, uh, who was one of the few members of the U.S. military on death row, had a sentence commuted to life without parole. He had been convicted of killing two taxi cab drivers in 1988. Uh, Puerto Rican nationalist Oscar Lopez serving 55 years for plotting the, to overthrow the U.S. government. Um, yeah, member of FALN. Um, that, that one was an interesting I heard a bit about that case, and I know there's uh, some controversy among the people who died in his bombings, and I can certainly understand where they're coming from. Um, I think the issue there, though, is that if you look at what he was actually charged with, he basically, like, they, they could have and probably should have charged him with murder, but that's not what they charged him with. They charged him with what is essentially speaking out against the government. Right, because it had, so, it carried a longer sentence. Exactly. So, I mean, if, if, they, if they had charged him correctly, and, I, and I'm... I don't know how many people actually died, but I suspect there's probably enough that had they made the sentences consecutive, then he'd probably still be in prison. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the case. I do know that all this, all this crying and shouting should just bear in mind that what he was actually charged with should never have held the kind of sentence that he got and also the, the kind of shakiness of the claim. And I would also point out to them that murder does not have a statute of limitations. Yeah. Um, now, one that was not, um, one that did not receive a pardon, surprise, surprise, David Petraeus, uh, the four-star general and former CIA director who in 2015 was sentenced to two years probation 
and a $100,000 fine for giving classified information to his mistress. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, a fine moment to be had by all. I, I think Trump should pardon Petraeus on Monday. I don't disagree, but I don't know <laughs> if he will. I probably not, but it'd be fun to watch. I mean, I'm, I'm very serious about what we ought to do is just point and laugh at people. And a little further down here, we're going to come to a story that talks about the the social justice warriors losing yes. their minds. Yes. And that's just freaking hilarious. Oh, it we'll is. get to it. We'll get to it. Um, <clears throat> now, I have to say something here in that what Obama did in his final days as president is absolutely nothing new. You know, yes, we can we can be upset about Chelsea Manning. We can be upset about you know any of the any of the people that he chose to pardon. But part of the part of what an outgoing president always does is they issue presidential pardons or commutations. It's it's nothing new, and I I, I point that out because. As I've watched the news, you know, we talk about the media, we talk about what, what people are saying and what things, what, what's happening. They are losing their mind over the things that Donald Trump is doing in his first day as president, his first weekend as president, that are absolutely nothing new. Every president does some of the things that Donald Trump has done, including things that, like... Telling the webmaster, okay, you know what? We're going to realign the website to meet our priorities and match our agenda, match our agenda, and figure and you know and send the message that we want. Here are the pages that we want you to take down because we're going to rewrite them. That's not their big new. problem. Their big problem is they don't. They're not in first place anymore. Their issues, which in a bigger view of things are kind of small. Uh, under Obama, got the first paragraph, first page, big titles. And in a more moderate administration, uh, they're not on the first page. They, they might be important. They might even do some of the stuff that people want. But it's, right. it's not the thing that they're going to put forth as what they're most proud of. Right. And, that, see that, and, and again, it's just humorous to watch these people. I mean self-emoliate themselves, which was redundant, but, you know, they, they have lost total control of themselves. They, they, they really are, are incapable of doing reasonable, sensible things and forming full sentences yeah. for a while. Yeah, they, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch. Now, one thing that is out of character for a for a president that is leaving office is is our next article and, and this one this I'm more upset about than the than the pardons or the speeches or any of the comments that he's made and that's the fact that Obama had you know when when George W Bush left office what did he do he went to his ranch in Texas and started painting and he went on bike rides and morale and support rides with veterans and he worked in his local community he stayed out of the public spotlight and has stayed out of the public spotlight as much as possible 
The same to yeah, a little bit of a lesser degree can be said for Bill Clinton. George H.W. Bush stayed quiet. You've always had this when the president, when the man leaves the office, they 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 don't stick around to to add their comments until now. President Barack Obama said he intends to give his successor the room to establish his priorities, but didn't promise to stay on the sidelines. If Donald Trump's administration takes actions, Obama believes run counter to democratic values. President Bush could not have been a more gracious, could not have been more gracious to me when I came in. Obama said at a press conference on Sunday in Lima, Peru, the final leg of the last foreign trip of his presidency. My intention is to certainly for the next two months is to finish my job. And then I want to be respectful of the office and give the president-elect an opportunity to put forward his platform and his agenda arguments without somebody popping off in every instance. But Obama implied he would not stay silent if he feels he needs to defend, quote, our values and our ideals in the face of, tr- of a Trump proposal. Though he did not discuss specifics on Sunday, the president in the past has said Trump's call for a temporary ban on Muslims entering the U.S. betrays the very values that America stands for. So... <laughs> He has he has made it clear that he intends to continue to stick around, be a be a community organizer, and interfere whenever he can. That's not what he said. No, okay, not whenever he can, but whenever whenever anything that he disagrees with is brought up. Well, yeah, he, he's he's left the option open. I mean, I I don't like the guy at all. I think he lies like a rug, but in this particular case, I think we're probably running what he said to its worst possible meaning. And and I think what he's going to find out, honestly, is the first time he does it or the third time he does it, and he notices that not a lot of people paid any attention to him, he's going to shut up. Because former pr- pronouncements from former presidents, of which we had a few, mm-hmm. Clinton, for example, just don't get to play. Nobody gives a darn what the former president had to say. Oh, I hope you're right. I, mean, I, I hope I'm reading more into this. I mean, you look, look at Carter. I mean, he, he, he can't get attention lasting longer than 15 minutes unless he's building a house with Home for Humanity or whatever they call that. Um, they just don't have the bully pulpit, pulpit that they had become accustomed to. And it, if he thinks he's going to make use of that, he's going to find out that he really doesn't sway the the influence that he used to have. And, and frankly, people still love him, but people don't believe a thing he says anymore. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, it'll be fun to watch. Like, like That's another said, one of those point, point and a laugh. Yeah, and, and, and maybe that is the best solution, is is the point and laugh. I just, it, it irks me, it irks me from a, from a perspective of, you know, how he lost you know when when the democrats won in 2008 and obama got sworn in we we talked about this when the show was the east coast conservative podcast where he stood up and he said we lost get to the back of the bus or sit down and shut up i mean we won you we we won you lost get down sit down get to the back of the bus and, and he said that he said that to a war hero. Yeah. And now Trump has won, and and Trump's inauguration speech was something I don't have it on the list, 
but there was there was a lot of there were a lot of people a lot of talking heads parsing what he said and you know it was a very interesting message both to the electorate and to the elected officials and you know you don't have to parse anything it was in subject verb object english this is true <laughs> he's he said it very plainly so i mean they're trying to read between the lines because the words he said were very difficult to misunderstand yeah yeah and I, I, they were but there were there were definitely messages because he said you know the the american people are in charge again <clears throat> And and the subtle con the not so subtle subtext there is, you know, if and this is this was the analysis that I heard that that made me chuckle the most. Basically, what he's saying is that to every elected official that was standing on the dais next to him, you better watch your ass because if I'm successful, then you're probably out of a job come the next election cycle. Because Which the, is what we've all been hoping for. Because the American people will see that a a, a non-binary party, and, and let's face it, Trump's Trump's in under the Republican flag, but he's he's he is the truly the first third-party candidate that's ever really that's ever been elected because of how he yeah. made it through. Because of how he made it through. The Republicans didn't want him. Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt was a third party in disguise as well, but well, yeah, and then he ran. Not the first. It's not the. He tried it again under a different name, and that didn't work. But he the, was he uh, was a different sort to begin with, even running under the original party name. Well, and who have we compared Donald Trump to in the past? Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt and his bull moose party. The difference is, is that Trump doesn't need a, a three-hour speech. I'm only speech. saying this is this this is not a unique thing in our history. Okay. It's kind of a rare thing, but it, it's been done before, and it's with good effect, frankly. Yeah. Most of the time, so I'm I'm so very hopeful about all of this, and the fact that he's following a, a, a not following an entirely untrodden path. Uh, is just worth noting, I think. Yeah, that's true. Because because the the business about he's we've never done this before, kind of talk. We haven't done it in modern one of the, in modern time. Yeah, but the other people, the people who are raving about that, don't throw in the caveat. They're just trying to delegitimize everything he s- says and does. And one of the things they have done is. We have never done this before. We know have no idea how it's going to turn out, and I know it's going to turn out bad. And you know, and that's a, a, a trope that they have been singing constantly since he was elected. Yep. And the answer, I mean, it, it, just as an example, all of the hell raising going on now about the fact that he uh, put a uh, stop on all new uh, regulations. That's no, the, that's the, not it, new. That's nothing new. Every president does I know does that. It. That's, that's my, and in fact, in his the thing he in that one of your nice articles here, he used almost the exact wording from from Obama's uh, executive order, doing exactly the same thing. But but it's but according to the babble mouth right now, this is a unique thing. This is another unique thing that we've never experienced before. 
and therefore he's running amok, which is which is why it's important to say, no, he's not the first one to uh, be essentially a third party candidate winning election. It's happened before. It's not it's not common, but it, it also is not a piece of evidence that he's completely illegitimate. We got to we got to be careful with the words. Yes, we do. Yes, we do, and that's why that, that's why the the whole you know stop all new regulations and stop enforce and 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 put a hold on. Let's see where was that? Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Trump begins with actions on Obamacare regulation yeah. freeze. Um, that's the article you're looking. It's the last one that I was looking at, but maybe not. Oh, yeah, actually, it, it is that one. It's it's not the next article. It's the one after. So um, the um, the regulatory freeze memo was almost word for word identical to a similar memo sent by President Barack Obama's chief of staff on the first day of his presidency. And that one, in turn, was based upon previous memos by George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, and Jimmy Carter. It ordered all agencies to hold off on publishing any regulation until Trump's cabinet members are confirmed and can sign off on them. The White House may make exceptions for health, safety, financial, or national security matters. It's 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 literally which, it's, it's which, which which is and that's what's going on. The guy who who was raving about the uh, the bust of Martin Luther King, he looked at one picture and didn't find the the bust, and immediately wrote an article about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other fool said that uh, this he, he saw the uh, freeze of regulations, didn't do any research. He immediately wrote an article about it and said this is unprecedented. But it's I mean they, they are frothing at the mouth to come up with uh, delegitimizing copy words strung together that they take anything. Mm-hmm. And and they're they're looking more and more foolish. I go back to what I said at the beginning of the program. The point best act here is to point and laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, did you get a chance? Were you watching the inauguration? I did. Yeah, I did. I actually watched all of it. I watched because I was at work. I was able to watch some of it. I had it streaming in the I background on my. I don't computer. do that anymore. I know. <laughs> I know, and and actually, the funny thing was was I was helping my boss, the owner of the company, get um, get streaming working on his computer because somehow his TV cable got disconnected, and he didn't want me to take the time to try and trace coax. But I helped him get get it going, and he goes, "Okay, now you can go watch however you're going to." He didn't even he didn't even make bones about okay, get back to work. He said, "Okay, you can watch however you're going to," which I right. which I thought was great. Um, Since you'd already practiced it. Well, um, so I had it going in the background as I was doing other things as well. But it was interesting to me how how they, you know, there was all of this talk about what performers weren't going to show up and what wasn't going to happen. And amazingly, the inauguration went off without a hitch. Everything went as it was supposed to. They followed the history. They followed the the order of events, and everything happened fine. 
there were some protesters and I heard them on the on the pickup I that were during Donald Trump taking the oath of office there were people blowing whistles and um a couple of screams of you know that 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 theatrical no um that that the microphones picked up but you know that was again a point and laugh i mean okay great make your noise but then we then we turn around and about four o'clock i think it was about four o'clock i remember i have an app on my phone where the scanner goes off and there's more than 3500 listeners and my scanner went off and it said washington dc and i went oh god and I started seeing these articles about the violent protests that were going on. Okay, protests isn't the right word. Riots was the right word. And they were small, and they were quickly contained. Um, but fully rehearsed. Fully rehearsed. And and the sad thing is, is I know people that were there to protest. I, I have family that went to Washington, D.C. to protest. They didn't go to riot. They didn't go to smash in a Starbucks and get a free double mocha latte or double sugar latte or whatever. Um, There's a bad coffee drink. They didn't go to, you know, to break the windows at the Bank of America building. They went to go practice their First Amendment right to peaceably assemble and and voice grievance. Great. Have they ever done this before? What's that? Protest? Yeah, the, my family members. Yes, they weren't involved. So they are regulars. Oh yeah, one of them was a that's... one of them was a um, was a grassroots organizer for the Sanders campaign in Oregon. So okay, the point. I mean, there's a the point is the the, the, the point is is that they don't they they don't have a new cast for every protest. In fact, it tends to be the same cast over and over again. No, they don't. Um, and not only well, that, maybe not them as individuals, but the, the, if you see these protests that once it's in Oregon and then it's in California and so forth, the, the cast tends to be similar. I'm not going to say it's person for person identical, but it's drawn from the same group of people over and over again. Right now, here's the, here's the thing. The family members and the friends that I know that went to protest, that went to march in in, in the woman's march that was today and um, that yesterday were, or that was yesterday and that were protesting on Friday, they weren't there to peaceably protest, and they have every right to. They have that is in the Constitution. These these numbskulls that decided that it was a good time to get a free TV or whatever, get a free coffee, um, are, a, are a different breed, are a different group. And I'm not saying that because I want to protect my friends or protect my family. I'm doing it because I know there's, there's a, there is a level of furor that develops, a mob mentality. But that mob mentality in, in most of the peaceful protests... You know, tens or tens or fifties or hundreds of thousands of people protesting. You're going to have some group that breaks off and goes and does its own thing. So when you when you hear people saying, "Yeah, I went to go in the women's march," don't lump them in with the people that were going. Yeah, I broke into Bank of America. Um, who was 
Who was doing that? The the ones that were breaking into Bank of America were No, who who was lumping them together? I have I'm sorry. I, I should I, I'm a victim of my own social media information. The there are individuals and I've seen a few of the more mm, I've seen a few news outlets try to lump them together. I'm not saying that you have. I'm not saying that anybody on the call has, but I know it's it's easy mentally to just to just say, "Oh, well, they were part of the protests, they were part of the riots." It is it is pretty common. I've heard it happen a lot with uh, various other talk shows, typically those on the radio. I agree with that. But it hasn't been happening here. No, it, uh, it, it it hasn't been happening here. So when I say don't you, yeah, I'm not don't don't take that as first personal first person personal. Um, you know the 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 interesting comment that comes in uh, on. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the the comment that came in on Second Live said, "If rioters have enough energy to riot, then they have the energy to work a job." Um, and Charlie's then said, true, what do we want? A venti bocca latte. When do we want it? Now. Sorry. Yeah. I had to read that Just in. got away with words. Okay. So now we go from the protesters, the person being protested, and that is the president. Oh, one last, one last note on the, on the protesters. I don't know if anybody else has seen this picture. I saw it on Facebook. Uh, of a person that had tattooed on the si- on their side in big cursive letters, Donald Trump is not my president. And somebody pointed out, somebody pointed out, yes, he is. And now his name is tattooed on you. <laughs> well, I, w- I would actually agree with the sentiment of, Donald Trump is not my president in the sense that no one is my president. I'm, I mean, that's, that's the people that say that or that try to, to denounce people that, that say that some X is not their president to my mind is like the kind of people that would denounce someone else for saying X is not my King. I mean, the, the whole, the president is not supposed to be, I mean, unless, unless you're in the military, in which case he does actually have a specific spot in that hierarchy. The president is not supposed to be some entity in your life that's. I mean, they, yeah, they, they he's not the, the, the president. You're, you're right. I understand what you're saying, and, and and maybe I can explain it. Maybe I can verbalize it and tell me if I'm restating this correctly. Well, I'm, I'm it's not, not, not the not it's not the I, job I, of the office of president to be involved in every single individual's life every single moment of their day. It's not well, the it's not the job of the office of the president to be to to take a personal interest in every mass in every major event that happens or in every, in every minor event that happens and by saying the thing we do in this country is when historically when someone finally gets elected we switch our allegiance very temporarily to that person because he is our president Four years later, he's not, unless he wins again. That's the difference between well, our leadership and royalty. 
And I don't think it's quite fair to, to mix them together and, and make an a- analogy there. I, I you think don't, it's you don't like authority because, at all. Well, that's true. Exactly. And this, this was a country that was founded upon the idea that people should be independent and not have to look toward an authority to give their blessing to something. And then over actually, the past actually, that, 100 that plus years... That style of government was the first one we tried, and it didn't work. So we came up with another one, and it was called a constitution, which laid out the terms and wherewithal we would periodically choose leadership. And we sort of swore by, once somebody was elected, that we would have, that person would have our loyalty until the next election. So there's nothing in the Constitution saying that anyone, other than members of the military, have to swear any kind of loyalty to the president. In fact, the, the whole notion of loyalty and allegiance and whatnot, the swearing of it, uh, the swearing to of it, didn't even really come about until the pledge was written in the early 1900s. Okay. And, by and a I, socialist, I'm, I would add. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you for just a second. Toa, because here's here's a couple of things. First of all, military does not pledge allegiance to, um, or does not take an oath, you know, swearing fealty or any kind of direct. Um, I think fealty is the only word that I can think of. There, there's more there um, to the president. When you take an oath of enlistment, you are supporting and defending the United States and the Constitution of yeah, the United because, States. Which, which, which proves my point the even president, more so. The president the that, is well, the commander-in-chief. In the sense that if we swear support to the Constitution, the document within which the office of the president is defined, then we, in fact, are, because we're agreeing to support the Constitution of the United States, we're agreeing to suspend our animosity for the period of time that that person is the president. They're, they're, it's, it's, oaths like that have consequences. And the idea that we, we in this country don't, as a matter of practice, offer loyalty to the temporary president, our temporary leadership, I think is fallacious. Uh, it, it is implied well, in the Constitution yeah, as a that we have practiced Yeah, as a matter of practice, I would agree with you. As a matter of philosophy, I would say that that practice is very dangerous. Well, philosophically, a lot of people disagree with you. No, and, and you know, this isn't Socrates' night. So, um, you know, when when somebody says my president, I don't, you know, Donald Trump is the president of, of the United States of America. He is, yeah. Because I am a citizen he, of he the United States. Pre- let, let, I think. Let me, let me let me finish, please. Because he is the president of the country that I am a citizen of, he is technically my president. Does that mean that I owe him any kind of fealty or any kind of deference aside that do his office? The answer to that is no. And and so the difference between. You know, someone that is that is saying, "Oh, he's my president," meaning that I owe him all every. I owe him everything that I have, everything that I am. That's that's reserved for gods and god kings. 
not for men. The word loyalty and respect are not the same as what you're talking about. I, I think as good citizens, we should be willing to offer our loyalty and respect to the person who is residing in the office that has been defined in the Constitution. Now, at least that should be the default mode the day after the election. Now, it's very possible that the person occupying the office can uh, give us sufficient cause to cease respecting him and to drop our loyalty. But the default from the beginning, from day one, should be I'm going to grant that person my respect and my loyalty until I have good reason not to. And some dirtbag who gets it tattooed on his body before the election isn't an American. He's some type of uh, riotist. I don't know. I'm going to shut up. Yeah. No. Um... Well... Well, all I'm saying is you can you can say he's your president all you like because you are an independent person capable of of making such decisions. What I I'm, my biggest problem is with the people that would disparage others for saying he's not my president. I I will agree the tattoo is silly. The tattoo's over the top in insanity, but. We'll take what we can and get. And it's, it's disrespectful. So I think respect has to be earned by people, not not offices. You can't hold respect for anything other than people, and respect has to be earned. I don't think that's true at all. It's well, respect, respect begins with office. That's the difference between kings and, and presidents. It's the office that we respect, not the person. The, the king is respected as a person. He's adored. He's revered. He's worshipped as a person. I mean, look Mostly at what the hell happened. If you're caught not doing that, you get killed. You're changing the subject. Am I? You are. The, the, king, the, the kings are manifested in their personhood. Presidents are manifested by the office that they are currently and temporarily occupying. You cannot mix the two. They're entirely different species. And I think it's inappropriate for a person in, before the, 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 the uh, candidate takes office to openly declare that I'm not going to accept that this person in that office. That's disrespectful. It's disloyal. It's harmful to my country. And I think it's, it's just childish. It's yeah. it's uh, it's like a little kid standing in a corner and stamping his feet and saying, "I want my candy now." And we, I want we, my we candy, not the candy cannot, you picked out for me. Yeah, um, we can't afford okay. to have people like that uh, getting to do that without being refuted and without being rebutted. I'm not saying they should be put in jail. That's not the way we do it. But we also have the right to vigorously. Uh, score them for that position, we have the right to vigorously rebut any of their arguments, which is why I'm talking so endlessly. And I'm and we need to move on because we do have a time limit on uh, on this conversation. Unfortunately, um, I will I will bring in what Charlie said um, 
from Second Life. She said, "You can respect the office, but even, but not the person in it." I mean, I respect. I this is Charlie saying. I, I mean, I respected Obama as president. Did not mean I agreed with his policies, and I stood up to his policies and fought tooth and nail against them. So, um, so now once we have President Trump, it's going to take a while to get used to saying. We only because it's a change. It's like writing 2017 on your checks. Um, now that he's in office, he has started off by doing some of the men, mundane stuff. We already talked about the uh, the executive orders that are word for word. Hey, stop doing anything new until my my secretaries and my cabinet picks can have a chance to review what you're doing. Um, but the other thing that he did is along with what the Congress has already started to do as far as repeal and replace for the Affordable Care Act, uh, President Trump spent the evening of his first day in office ordering all federal departments and agencies to find ways to ease the economic burden of President Obama's health care plan. Vice President Pence swore, uh, swore in Defense Secretary James Mattis and Homeland Secretary uh, Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly and Chief of Staff Rents Priebus ordered government agencies to freeze any regulations. Um, the first day executive actions served to signal as a signal a marked departure from the policies of the Obama administration, but proved little indication of the direction Trump would chart. The executive order titled "Minimizing or Minimizing the Economic Burden of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act Pending Repeal." directed the administration to show maximum flexibility in applying the law to states, hospitals, health insurers, patients, and notably medical device manufacturers. But the order was couched in language like to the maximum, maximum extent permitted by law, leaving the particulars to legal interpretation. And then we had already talked about the regulatory freeze memo. So he is, he is starting to move forward with, the pro, with keeping the promise on the Affordable Care Act to the best that he can at this point. And, and the reason that I add that couching language is because Congress is in the middle of trying to come up with either a replacement or just a, a way to repeal it without, without having a negative impact in as many areas as possible. Um, you know, some of the articles that we've had in show notes past that we haven't gotten to includes talking about the negative impact of repealing the Affordable Care Act. And there are a few if it's repealed and the old system is put back in place. I think what the administration and what the Congress is working on is something that will remove the onerous burden of requiring coverage, remove the onerous burden of the employer mandates, uh, and providing some kind of either safety net or alternative for those that would get caught in donut holes and, 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 and crosshairs of, of, you know, it's, and, and I don't, they need to, they need to fix the tort system and they need to get re-enable cross state boundary competition among insurance companies. Absolutely. Those are one, one fricking paragraph bills that would more than any other single thing they can do lower costs 
The tort is going to be a little more complicated, but I agree. Those, are, those would be two big steps. I can think of a few other big steps, but those would certainly be two of them. Sure. And the problem is that Congress is populated by lawyers who have made billions of dollars off the tort system or who have friends and family who have made billions of dollars, and they all graduated from colleges that think the tort system is the finest thing ever created in the graft environment. Yep. So mm. it's going to be very difficult to fix the tort system because Congress has to do it. Now, I don't think that we've had a president that had the moxie to cause it to happen. I think they might find out that if they try to drag their feet on it this time, they're going to run into a buzzsaw. Yeah, and that's... I Trump think is, that is, I Trump think... is with his 140-character Thompson submachine gun is going to crucify them. <laughs> just, had, just had lunch... I, I, I'm more hopeful. Just, just had lunch with Ryan, tried to stop me, so sad, sinned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can I can see that tweet going out. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, along with so so that those actions are in place. Um, the last one I think we're going to have time to talk about is you know the poor social justice warriors that SJW stands um, screaming about the changes to WhiteHouse.gov. Um, the fact that climate change, civil rights, and LGBT sections are removed from the White House website. Do I need to remind folks of, I think it was like two or three, maybe four years ago, when somebody noticed that the Obama administration had gone into the previous presidential synopses and added in what Obama had done on each of those things. Do, do, do people not remember that? I do. I remember it. Um, mm. I mean, they, they tried to rewrite history. They, I mean, going in and it, saying, it, it, oh, it, you know, it, civil rights. You know, LBJ signed this. And, you know, in recent years, the, the Obama administration has dot, dot, dot. You know, fill in the blank. You know, whether it be... Space exploration, or I don't think he's done that, whether it be, you know, trade deals or immigration or, you know, conflicts or civil rights or banking, all those. Th I mean, he they added, you know, the Obama administration did this to all all those entries on the timeline. You know, when you when you buy a business and the business has a website the first thing you do is you take that website and you have to take out anything that you know you're going to revise. My son-in-law took my picture off the website when I made him president. Yeah. I, I'm sure I'm sure that well, later he created a um, something no. else. No? Well, you, need to, <laughs> you need to tell him that he needs to he, at least put your pi picture oh, in, the, in the history of the company page. You know? They did. So, so that I mean, and and it probably took time. So the first thing he did was okay. I've got to get my name, my picture up as president on here, and and so on and so forth. But you know, these are things that are happening. It's been two days, and and while Toa yep. and I can probably say, yeah, it can be done that quickly. Uh, this is a bureaucracy we're talking about. Things don't move that fast. Well, uh, in, in terms of web content, it's a different game. It's a different game. 
It is. Yeah, I mean, he, he has figured out that you don't have to talk some moron at NBC into delivering your message. It, literally, literally, his tweets. He's gonna he's gonna run the country with his with with his tweets because he can do that without talking to any of the people who are trying to throw rocks in his way. I've you know I've I've, I've made this speech a few times. Already. Oh yeah, I know. You I watch. Know. He's gonna he's gonna run circles around these fools because they they don't they don't get it. Well, it's a whole even world. if they do even if they do get it. They don't have any defense against it, so uh, you're right. going to see you're going to see Donald J. Trump calling people at home during news time, and and giving his side of the story. I I, I bet you, it's going to go beyond tweets, and, and and when he does that, he's going to get on every headline and on every talking head that he did it again. He broke protocol. He called. Joe the plumber and and explained himself to him and Joe the plumber now had a press conference uh, saying he's sure as hell going to vote for Trump next election. Watch for it. Robocall to the rescue? No, not robocall. Him himself. He's going to pick up the phone and you know he's going to have put somebody in charge of finding phone numbers and then he's going to make the call and he's going to do it in a way where everybody sees it happen. And and he's just going to bury people with popular opinion. That's, that's what populists do. That's it's entirely possible. All right, um, we are out of time. Uh, I, I wanted to at least get through this. There are other um, there are other articles to discuss. Um, you know, I, I love how they're getting into a pissing match over how many people attended the inauguration. Um, but I have a feeling that there is going to be uh, there are going to be distractions like that from time to time, weekly, maybe, as long as the media still doesn't understand how to <laughs> how to handle Trump. Um, I want to thank everybody for being a part of the show. Thanks for the large turnout in Second Life. Um, if you liked what you heard, we ask you to blog about us. Tell five of your friends. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the Facebook page is is uh, facebook.com slash front porch political talk be sure to visit the website at frontporchtalk.net for all the articles and for information on participating if you didn't like what you heard you know what well we're glad you stuck around this long and we'll still invite you to join us uh where you know we we may or may not use the uh the the tag word social justice warrior but you will hear different words in a different order thanks a lot for listening everybody have a great night Good night, Chuck, and uh, be sure to stay off the streets that the that the rioters are on because you don't want to be caught up with that bad of a crook.